you would, go ahead and be seated as the ushers are receiving the prayer requests and offerings and tithes of the people. Let me remind you what we're doing. Uh, we're learning uh, what is um, our responsibility as followers of Jesus, and that is to be rooted in Christ, which requires discipline. This week in my um, studies in God's Word, there was a theme, there are many themes, but one theme that came up and, and I saw uh, expressed in different parts of Scripture, and, and that was the command that God gave to His people. He said, do not harden your hearts. Why do you think He expresses that in Hebrews, throughout the New Testament, in the Psalms, in the Pentateuch? Over and over, God keeps saying, do not harden your hearts. And here's one of the reasons why I think he does that. It's because we have such a tendency to harden our hearts towards God. We have a tendency to say, I've got it figured out. I'm smart. I'm strong. I know what needs to happen. And that is a sure sign of a hard heart. God calls us to have a heart that is tender toward him. That is, that is ready to respond rightly to his commands and to his presence and to his work in the world. And so in order for us to be that kind of disciple of Jesus, we have to root ourselves in some, some fundamentals of the faith. And that's, that's what we're studying are some of just the, the fundamentals. And what we're doing is we're taking a, a, a segment of a, of a statement made in the epistles of Peter. And then we're looking at a narrative or a time in Peter's life uh, where we can draw inference from what God wants us to do. Now today, we're talking about the fact that conversations with God are completely normal for the disciples of Jesus. It's completely normal. It, it would, let me say it in a negative way. It's abnormal if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus and you do not have a very strong prayer life. When we pray, when we're having these conversations, there's certain things we need to be doing, things we need to be aware of. And, and that's what we're going to see in our text today. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, uh, take it out and let's go to, to uh, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be in verses 35 through 39. Molly's going to come read for us. So Molly, if you don't mind, make your way to the stage and let's all stand together in honor of God's word. As she reads this uh, story, this narrative, this experience, it's really about Jesus, but you kind of see uh, Peter's uh, needing to learn some things uh, in the process. So Molly, if you would, read verses 35 through 39. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and, and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Molly. If you would, go ahead and be seated. So, Peter is so much like us, or rather, we Americans are so much like Peter. We love crowds. We love success. And we love feeling a part of it. Peter loved the crowds. He got so excited the bigger the crowd was, and, and it made him feel so powerful to be a part of it. Isn't it interesting how we Americans, it's not that we go to support a team, it's that we go to support a winning team. We like to be in the stands when the team is winning. 
When it's not, they always point out the fact that there's a lot of empty seats here. There must be, that coach must be in trouble because they're not winning enough because we Americans love a winner. We love to be in a big crowd. And oftentimes we, we think we got it all figured out. I was talking to a lady after the last service and, and she was you know, crying and laughing at the same time and it was just like, I totally get this today. I totally think I've got it all figured out, but I know I don't and I get it. I get that I don't get it. And I said, well, that's the first step. You know, we honestly, most of us in this room, we think we've got it all figured out. The reason why we don't pray and have a deep devotional life is because we don't think we need one. I mean, most Christians can tell you more about what's happening on Facebook or in the popular movie series or, or whatever series they're watching on Netflix or Hulu, or Hulu or whatever than they can the theme line of the Bible. Because they think, I, I don't really need this. I don't really need prayer. I don't really... Because I've got it all figured out. I know what needs to happen. I just need God to come on and get with it or I need everybody else to come on and get with it. That was Peter. Loved the crowds, thought he had it all figured out, really didn't understand the importance of prayer. And most Americans don't. Because again, we got it all figured out, right? We think we know what it's about. Well, the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost and it really transformed Peter's life. He came to understand some things uh, about life and in particular about prayer. And I want you to see it. Hold your finger in Mark chapter one and turn over to 1 Peter chapter three, verse 12. Um, Peter here is quoting uh, Psalm, Psalm 34, uh, verses 15 and 16, and he says uh, a lot of significant things uh, about prayer, about God, and about us in the midst of all of it, that as we launch into talking about conversations with God, uh, this needs to be the theological foundation that, that we think from today. It says in 1 Peter 3, 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter's here emphasizing the unique relationship that we have as disciples of Jesus with God the Father. I want you to underline a word there in verse 12. Notice what we are called. We are called the righteous. Now you got to understand that, that that is a unique position that we are given by God through faith in Christ. See, we are not, we're not born the righteous. We are born the sinners. We are born separated from God. Uh, as a father, and I know many of you parents can, can uh, give testimony as, as well to this, you never had to teach your children how to lie. Right? They did that naturally on their own. You didn't have to teach them how to throw a good fit in Walmart. You never sat down and said, okay now, sweetie, when we're in Walmart today, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to go crazy when I tell you no. I want you to throw yourself onto the ground and just flop around. Make sure everyone sees it and make sure I get good and embarrassed. Okay, let's go. You don't have to say that. No, no, you have to keep your child from doing those things. Why? Because we have a selfish, sinful nature. See, sin has created a brokenness within us and the only thing that can heal us and make us from sinners into saints is the gospel of God. We talk about three circles every week and it's so important that we understand that what causes the brokenness in the relationships in our world, if you've got a broken relationship with someone right now, it's because of sin. 
And the only thing that can heal that is grace, forgiveness. So what did God do? He didn't just say, oh, oh, I forgive you. That's okay. Pretend it didn't happen. No, no, no. He came and he suffered in our place. And he took responsibility for our sin. And here's what I, 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 it's so important that you understand this. The reason why Jesus died on that cross is because sin is so serious. Sin demands payment and that payment is death. And so you need to understand if you have not trusted in Christ to take responsibility for your life and you're not living under his authority but on your own, you stand under the condemnation of God because you're responsible for your sin. But Jesus Christ came to take responsibility. So if we will repent, and what that means is surrender responsibility. That is to say, you know what? I'm not gonna trust in myself. I don't have the, 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 the sufficiency to earn my way to God. Instead, I'm gonna trust that God, the gospel tells me that God came to me. I'm gonna give up on trying to earn my way to God or figure out my own way. Instead, I'm gonna believe in Christ Jesus and I'm gonna follow him all the days of my life. I'm gonna pursue and recover God's design in a righteous standing. Understand that God hears the prayers of the righteous. And we are made righteous by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. We cannot earn our righteousness. We must receive it from Christ. And having received that standing, having that righteousness, here's what we know. God's eyes are on us. Look what it says. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The Lord knows what you're going through. The Lord knew you were going to go through it before it ever even happened. One of the songs we were singing earlier uh, in, in, the, in the worship time, I would not heard this line before. It grabbed me, though. It, it says that he knows when the storm is going to end before it even begins. Wow. The Lord knows. He sees. He sees what you and I can't even see. And his ears, look what it says. And his ears are open to their prayer. God is listening. God is listening not because he needs information from us. God is God. He's listening because we need to talk to him. We need to talk to him. We need to experience this with him. And he, he wants what is best for us. He's not against us. Look what it says. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God is not against us as those who do evil. We've been made righteous in Christ. He's for us. He wants what is best for us. And what is best for us is a right relationship with God through Christ, talking to him about our life and having these conversations. Now, there's three kinds of conversations. There's more than that, I'm sure, but there's three kinds of conversations as I think about it. Write down these words. The first one is planned. There are planned conversations. These aren't in your notes. This is just stuff that hit me. These are planned conversations. All right, then there's ongoing conversations. Planned conversations happen at a particular time at a particular place. You planned it. Then there's ongoing conversations. These are conversations you have with God that, that do not cease. You're just ongoing. The Lord is there. You're not ignoring him. As you're talking to someone, you're praying for them, with them. You're having this ongoing conversation. The third kind are unplanned conversations. These might even be considered surprise conversations. They often present themselves to us in our flesh as interruptions. But these are a part of God's will. And so we, we have these moments when we need to stop what we're doing and we need to pray. They're unplanned. There are people that are going to come up to you. I hope that they come up to you and say, hey, this is going on. And so many times in our Southern way, we'll say, well, I'll just be praying for you. And I would love to know what the ratio of those who do and don't actually get around to praying. Can I ask you to do something? 
If someone asks you to pray for them, pray for them right then, right there. If you're in Walmart, be a blessing in Walmart. If you're on the phone, pray on the phone. When someone says, hey, pray for me, or if you know, you need to say, hey, I'll be praying for you, and if it's okay, I'm gonna pray for you right now. Those are unplanned prayers. What we're looking at today is a time of planned prayer. This was a time that God the Son had set aside in the flesh as a human being praying to God the Father. God completely, man completely praying. And so let's go back to Mark chapter one, verses 35 through 39. Let's look at this, inner, this planned conversation. While you're doing that, let me remind you, we as a church family have a planned conversation. It's on the calendar for this Thursday. It's a day of fasting. And we fast one day a month. So what we do is we take a verse from that day of the month. So it's 621 is this Thursday. So we're going to pray through 2 Chronicles 621. If you don't have that, we'll be putting it on social media. You can also grab it on a bookmark on the way out. By the way, that is a planned conversation. Planned conversations are really important. And there's specific things that we need to do that I want to show you in the text today. The first one is this. We need to listen to God's heart. When we have planned conversations, we need to listen to God's heart. To listen to someone's heart, we need to be focused on that person, paying very close attention to them. You know, I I have conversations with people all day. I'm an extrovert. I get energy from talking to people. I'll talk sports. I'll talk, you know, whatever. Theology, Bible, I just, I'm talking all day long. There are certain conversations, though, that sometimes make me a little nervous. And it's a conversation when someone walks up to me and says, hey, I need to have a heart-to-heart conversation with you. When someone says that to me, I can literally feel my blood pressure going up. You know, there are times I go to people and I say, listen, hey, I need to talk to you. I need to have a heart-to-heart conversation with you. And I can see them physically. I can see their heart rate going. I can see their, you know, and then sometimes I get red. Because when you're having a heart-to-heart conversation, you're talking about something very serious. I, I, I don't have those conversations in public places. Because many times uh, there's a correction that needs to be made or, or many times there's a hurt that's there and we got to talk about it and we'll probably cry through. Those heart-to-heart conversations require privacy. Planned conversations are to be heart-to-heart conversations. They need to have it happen at a particular place and a particular time where there won't be interruptions. We've got to be very mindful. And and when you are having that conversation, you need to make sure you are hearing from the heart of God. Jesus got up before the son came up to be alone with the father, to have that heart-to-heart conversation. And, And we need to hear. We need to hear God's heart. And I want to make sure you know what to listen for. Go back to verse 11 of Mark chapter 1. There was something that God the Father said to the Son that God now says to us that we need to hear every time we have a heart-to-heart conversation with God, and that is this. You're my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. So you need to understand, if you are a disciple of Jesus, when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus because you are now covered in Christ. When you became a a follower of Christ, when you became a Christian, not only did he forgive you, that is, he took away the sin of your life and took responsibility and died, but because he has been raised, now that he is the reigning Lord, he lives inside of you and he covers you. 
He takes away your sin and he covers you with his righteousness. So when God the Father sees you, he sees Christ. When you are having a heart-to-heart conversation with God, make sure you hear him say, with you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved. This week when we were preparing to to write, when we were writing and preparing the sermon, uh, Pastor David said, you know, in 30 plus years of ministry, when I have been counseling people, many times he said, I've asked him the question, you know, if God were to speak audibly to you right now, what do you think he would say? He said, and, and you know, he, I could tell he was getting a little emotional. He said, you know, almost every time I hear that people say, I think God would say, I'm so disappointed with you. I'm so frustrated with you. And I know many of you right now, if you're honest, you hear God saying that to you. Friends, listen to me. You are covered in Christ. You are the beloved of God. And you need to, when you are alone with God, you need to hear God's heart. You need to make sure what you're hearing is, with you, I am well pleased because you are in Christ. More than that, you need to understand your position. Write this one down, Romans 8, 1 and 2. You need to hear that you are the beloved of God, that he is well pleased with you, and you need to hear Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are, and I want you to see these prepositional phrases, for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You need to hear God the Father say, I am well pleased with you. You are my beloved. You are no longer condemned. In this heart-to-heart conversation, you need to hear the heart of God. And the heart of God says, you are loved eternally. You know, it's, it's, if someone ever says to you, if God is so loving, if God is so powerful, if God is so good, you can know right there, they are creating a, making a statement that is nonsensical. If God is love, if God is good, if God, he is loving. He is good. He is, it's no, there's no if about it. And you need to hear that every time that this God loves you. His love endures forever. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You are beloved. And as the beloved of God, let that define you. Let that be your identity. Let that be your courage. Let that be your strength so you can do what God's called you to do. And by the way, what God has given to us as disciples of Jesus, he expects us to do something with it. There's an assignment that comes with this glorious grace and this position of being the beloved of God. And and, and we need to get that. So you first need to hear the heart of, of God. The second thing is you need to learn your assignment. Learn your assignment every day. So when Peter and the boys found him, what does Peter say? Everyone's looking for you. I just envision maybe Jesus was done praying and he was coming out of his hiding place and they ran into him. But there was no acknowledgement that Jesus had been praying. That didn't matter to Peter. What mattered was the crowd's here. We gotta get a rally going. We gotta get everybody all hyped up and happy about you because we need to build on this thing and we need to get you know, a mission statement and an organizational chart and I need to be up on the top. And we need to have all this cool stuff because we're cool now, we gotta keep it going. And I love that Jesus didn't even respond. Look at that. He didn't even say, hi, Peter. 
Peter walks up, where have you been? The crowds are looking for you. And she said, get in the car, let's go. No response. Here's, here's the thing we gotta understand. We all have a plan for our life. Other people have a plan for our life. God's plan is better. Now, if you aren't alone with God and you're not in his word and you're not praying, you're not gonna hear your assignment. I can remember the day I told my dad I was giving up football and I was gonna give up my football scholarship and I was gonna go to Belmont University and study biblical languages and religion. If there was ever a day I could have taken his picture to show what ultimate disappointment looks like, it was that moment. <laughs> because I know my dad thought, this is, this is the plan, football. He had other plans for me. And he really thought, I know, that I was gonna grow out of this ministry thing. <laughs> if I hadn't been with Jesus to know the plan, I would have tried to please him or my flesh. I had an assignment and there was no turning back. God gives us an assignment, not just in the broad sense of our calling, although that is crucial that we get. He gives us an assignment every single day. Here's Jesus coming out of prayer. Hey, we gotta, we gotta head to, we gotta get out of here. We gotta go, gal, we got stuff to do today. Thursday, I was alone with the Lord and I got an assignment. I get an assignment every day. I got this assignment, Ephesians 4, uh, 2 and 3. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I knew what my schedule was that day. I knew pretty much what, was gonna, what we had planned. Can I tell you, I had interruptions all day long. And I was so glad this was my assignment. Because in the flesh, I would have maybe told someone, look, I don't have time for this. In my flesh, there were two people that were arguing with each other. I think I would have just lectured both of them and kicked them out. Instead, this was my assignment. This was my assignment. So instead, I said, okay, guys, we gotta make peace. Y'all gotta make peace. I was so glad that was my assignment that day because people needed that. And, and here's what I want you to understand. If you're not alone with God in prayer, in, in his word, having that conversation, not only are you not gonna hear the heart of God, you're gonna miss your assignment and you're gonna mess things up. You're gonna mess your life up, you're gonna mess other people's lives up, you're gonna hurt people. You gotta get your assignment so that you can live hopeful and be helpful. Now understand and write this down. If you're gonna live hopeful and be helpful, understand it's gonna be in the mess. It's gonna be messy. It's not gonna be easy. But the good news is it's simple. It's messy, but it's simple. Look what Jesus knew he was supposed to do. And they went through uh, all Galilee. Look at this, the, look at the dichotomy. Look at the expanse of people in their synagogues and casting out demons. From church people to the demon possessed, that's who he was going to preach to. Do you not know, friends, the people you're sitting in pews with right now are anywhere between church folk and demon-possessed? Some of them are both. You realize the people you're gonna be at work with tomorrow, the people you're gonna be hanging out with, people that, that you work for, work with, church folk, demon-possessed, but I'm gonna tell you, they all, we all need the same thing, the gospel of God in love. See, church people, church people need to be told 
It's not us and them. You're not better than them. There's so many church people think, well, we're not like them. We don't talk like that. We don't act like that. We're, we know better, meaning we are better. You know what church people need to hear? The wages of sin is death, and you have sinned, and you were once far from God, and only by the grace of God have you been saved. So take that forgiveness and share it with everybody else. You know what the demon-possessed need to hear? The gospel. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Sin, sin is not bigger than God. God's grace is greater than all our sin. And we need to be sharing that with everybody. But see, if you don't get your assignment and you don't hear the heart of God, all you're gonna do is what your flesh and what everybody else expects you to do. You're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss this joyous privilege to be able to be of use to God. Understand this, this is so serious. Every single person sitting in these pews, every single person you're gonna come in contact in the world today, they are fighting a battle. I mean, I know some of you are looking at me and, you know, other than, I know you think, well, without, you know, other than the hair thing, he's got it going on. I mean, I, I know, I know you just kind of look, Pettis has got it going, he's the, that, I mean, that's, you know, put some hair on that guy, he can have a TV ministry, I don't, I mean it. I want to tell you something. <laughs> um, that was wrong. I'm sorry, Lord. There's good people with TV ministries out there. Okay. Let me tell you the truth. I got battles going on in here. I got battles of insecurity, of, of fear, of concern, of weight. And I want you to understand, everybody in this room is fighting some of them are starting to give up. I don't know if you saw this report this week. It breaks my heart. It was in Washington Post. Suicide rates rose in all but one state between 99 and 16, with increases seen across age, gender, race, and ethnicity, according to a report released Thursday by the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. And more than half of all the deaths, I want you all to see this. The people had no known mental health condition when they ended their lives. What that means is when someone said, how you doing? They said, fine. I can't tell you how many people who have said things like, I just talked to him yesterday. I just talked to her yesterday. She said, he said she was fine. I just saw him last week. It seemed like everything was fine. It seemed like they had everything. He had his own TV show. She had all that power. They had all that money. Everything person you come in contact is fighting a battle inside and some of them are drowning we're all drowning when a person's drowning you know what they don't need they don't need someone saying hey you're drowning you should stop doing that drowning is wrong you should stop drowning that's bad stop drowning what's wrong with you you're drowning that's embarrassing stop drowning yourself stop drowning how many of us do that? You know what they need? A life preserver. You know what it's called? The gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Friends, all around you, people are drowning in their sadness and their shame and their burdens and, and the physical things that are happening, the psychological. We're all fighting a battle. And what we don't need is someone pointing out the obvious and maybe even being mean about it. We all need the gospel. Here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, you can't have hope and you can't be of help. And if you don't have Jesus, you're drowning. You need Jesus. And if you know Jesus and you have Jesus, I'm gonna tell you something. You need to be talking to him. Not because he needs you to, because you need it. You need to hear his heart. You need to get your assignment. And you need to get in the mess. Are you doing that? If you're not, let me lovingly, you know I love you guys. You know I love you. If you're not spending time alone with God, let me tell you why. It's not because you don't have enough time. I'm going to put myself in this group. If we are not spending time alone in a private planned conversation with God it's because we're arrogant it's because we think we're so smart and so strong and got it so together that we don't need God and the only time we're going to call on God is when our plan fails and all the life starts falling apart that's an arrogant way of life friends no we need to humble ourselves before he does. Years ago, two very powerful, well-known men, a year apart from each other, told me, boy, you better learn how to pray. It's been 12 years and I still feel like a novice. And I really struggled early on because I really thought I was so smart, so strong, and I had it so together. We need to hear from God. There's something before I call us to prayer this morning. I want you to think about this. This is 1 Samuel 3.10. Guys, can you put that? I haven't put it up there all morning. I'm throwing them a curveball. Yeah. I want to challenge you to pray this right now. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. This is what, Sam, this is what uh, Eli told Samuel to pray when the voice of God was speaking. I want to invite you to say that to God right now. So if you would just bow your head, close your eyes, speak for your servant is listening. Say that to God right now. Are you being told that you are not the righteous of God? Then you need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and take over your life and become righteous by grace through faith alone. Some of you are the righteous of God. Many of you are. Let me ask you, do you have a planned conversation with God every single day? If you do, your family and friends know when it is and where it is. Do you have that? If not, you need to repent and you need to come talk to Jesus about it and you need to get your heart right because you don't have a time problem. You have a pride problem. Who do you know that needs prayer? Everybody in this room is fighting a battle. 
Some of you need to just come and say, Lord, you know my battle, help me. Others of you know others who are fighting. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Come and pray as you need.